and welcome to the Q York podcast, brought to you from our local church in the beautiful city of York in the UK. The message you're about to hear is from one of our services, which also feature great live music and relevant movie clips. These can all be found on our blog, so to make sure you're getting the full experience, feel free to head over to qyork.co.uk and select blog to find the relevant content. There's also a huge selection of talks and live music videos on our media page, as well as a donate button if you'd like to show your appreciation and enable us to keep producing free content like this. Finally, to stay up to date on new blogs and events at Q, you can sign up for emails by filling in your name and email address at the bottom of any page on the website. But right now, it's time for the message. morning. Um, I hope you are well. It's nice to be sort of um, back in the sense that holidays are over and holiday seasons, although a number of people are away today. But we have, if you've been with us over the summer, we've listened to some really brilliant messages that we've heard in the past. Um, and they're on the blog if you want to go back to them. But the latest one that we listened to again was one about the search for meaning, where it was about the white canvas. And one of the lines that kept coming through that was, what you see is what you see. Um, And I'd given that a lot of thought since. And then um, I've sort of arrived at this secondary line, which is when you see is when you see. Because actually sometimes there's those moments where the light just shines. And all of a sudden, something that you've not seen before just illuminates in your life to the point where you cannot unsee it. It's like, call it a dawning or a revelation or something that that you're just like, I've never seen that before, but now I see it so clearly, I don't know how I've missed it. And we've all had those moments where suddenly we see something that we can't believe we've not seen up to this point. And I want to sort of talk a little bit about that this morning. And what I'm hoping is that I can convey something of what I've seen. But if when you see is when you see, it might not be this morning that this is the morning you're going to see it. But I can't worry about that. So we have this expression, don't we, that hindsight is a wonderful thing. And I don't like hindsight (laughs) I like foresight I like to be able to see in advance I like to be able to anticipate I like to be able to think I can see that coming but so often in life the reason why we need hindsight is because you sometimes have to go through something to learn what it is you had to learn by going through it and you also sometimes have to have feedback from different people in your life that you'll do something and they'll tell you you know when you did that actually that landed like that with me actually it wasn't what you thought it was and so I think probably learning things And seeing things retrospectively is very, very necessary, even if we wish it weren't. And so what we develop as we go through life is we develop some things that become the stories that are always the stories we've learnt about our past, about our present, the things that we're seeing happening in the future. And a lot of those become the usual stories in our lives, or what we could call the common narrative. Now, we've talked a lot about a common narrative around 
church and what it's typically been the usual story in church. But I also want you to realise that that might be very relevant for some of you. In fact, I would say it's relevant for all of us because we all have a God story. But there are also other common narratives that you might be missing that might be in your blind spots because they're your usual stories. The stories that are always playing out in your life, the ones that seem the most obvious way the world is to you, that unless we start to open ourselves up to the possibility of a different story, they will continue to play out and they will become the dogmatic things that your life just orbits around all the time. And if we start to observe and be really deliberate, what we'll start to see is plot holes in those stories. Gaps where we're like... If I really was to question that and pause, that doesn't quite ring true. And part of what Q's quest is about is saying, let's be prepared to ask the questions about the plot holes in all of the usual stories to work out whether actually that's the case. And I mean, you saw on that clip there that they had this story of what this magical scroll was going to uncover. And when they actually got to it in the reality, it was something quite different. And if you're not prepared to then deal with the consequences in the moments when life turns out quite different, you never ask the questions to truly see that there wasn't a secret ingredient, that it was the face in the mirror. Um, A guy called Jim Palmer said this, religion gets people all worked up over the idea of cultivating a better relationship with God. But what they most need is a healthier relationship with themselves. People are suffering every day, not because of a deficient relationship with a deity in the sky, but because of a dysfunctional relationship with the person in the mirror. So let's ask ourselves some questions this morning. So I had very much a common narrative that I was not very um, awake to until I was. Um, And that was that the story in my life was that um, I'm a problem and I'm going to really need saving and I'm going to have to have that saving come from outside myself because... I'm a problem, so something magical is going to have to happen that saves me. Um, A little bit like on that first clip, that there was going to be some magical scroll that I could open and it would all make sense. Um, So when I was 12, I grew up in church my whole life, Um, my dad had a sort of job in local government and then he sort of, on the side, helped look after a church. So there's clear patterns. clear patterns that we all follow in life, isn't there? Um, But when I was 12, um, I invited um, Jesus into my heart and he would stop me being a problem, he would remove anxiety and he would keep me safe. And that was the story that I followed for many, many, many years. And I gave it all to Jesus and he did magic. And then what happened was I added a number of rituals to that magic so the magic worked. Um, And I'm always willing to share my stories because I think sometimes you... You, you feel a bit silly, but I think it just humanises us all because we all have silly stories. And when I was at school, I was a really anxious, really, really anxious child. And I was very afraid to speak in class. And so I believed that if at the end of every day, I thanked God that in each of my lessons, the did, teacher didn't pick on me, that might mean that the following day, the teachers didn't pick on me to ask a question on the spot in class. And they, th- that was just one example of some of the rituals that 
I just, this God story gave me something that was going to look after me and stop me feeling so scared in the world. And as I got older, I added a few extremes to the pot. Um, And my life became, by my late teens, my life orbited around this story. It was the story around which all of my decisions were made. And increasingly, without my brain involved. There was no conscious questioning of those stories. This is what I did um, because I could not afford to lose the story. And sometimes in our lives, the stories that have become so fixed and so rigid that are rituals of whatever story, whether it's to do with a conscious one you have about God or not, we can't afford to lose them and so we have to keep all of the rituals that go with those stories now I was not free and I was certainly not convinced and in some ways I think it was probably the performance of my lifetime not because I was being insincere with anyone else but because I was playing it out in my own life and keeping the questions even from myself but what I have to also acknowledge now aged 47 a long way from 12 is that I cannot say for sure that I am not still doing this in other areas of my life because I know I still have some no-go areas where I don't want the stories to be questioned and I know I don't want to be the question because of how I react if people try to question them and I know there's territory where I think no don't walk there just don't go there in my life and so I would be fairly foolish if I tell myself well I freed myself from all of the times in my life I'm ever going to have done that because if I don't learn that I did that once I haven't learned that I might be doing it again or again or again and so I'll keep going around that same cycle now some of you had the same or even more extreme common narrative around the Jesus and church story and others of you didn't go that far because perhaps you didn't need to but enough of you dipped your toe in the water and I'm telling you it's sticky stuff And more of it is probably attached to you than you perhaps realise. And although others of you do not call it a God story as such, you've had your own God story because there's things you have worshipped, things you have served, things that are fixed in your life that you have to have to keep you safe and rituals. So just for a couple of minutes, just have a think about the answers to these questions or the questions that these questions bring up in you. What story does your life orbit around? Where can you be extreme in your views of what you, uh, sorry, where can you be extreme in the views you hold about what or who should be saved or held to account for their sins? What story can you not afford to lose? Where do you sense yourself reacting? And what questions might you be pushing down because the answers could so shift the equilibrium of your life that you just don't go there? Who or what might your God or gods be? And where do you worship? And here's some examples of where we can all worship. Feeling comfortable, not rocking the boat, speaking your mind, people pleasing, money, the next exciting thing, your partner's needs, your children's needs, your views, your isms, your pains, perhaps your successes. And I want to really encourage you to go away even after this morning and think, where do I serve? Where do I worship? Where are my usual stories? And how is that working for you or not? I have been judged many times in life by people who worship gods by other names, but believe that I'm the only one <laughs> with interested in religion which I'm not. So let's own it and call it. So 
I've misjudged how to file pieces of paper this morning. Um, Now, we can fail to see that we have places where we've handed responsibility for our lives to something that is going to magically happen or not happen without our effort or conscious participation. I had beliefs along the line of, God has a plan. Let's pray about the will of God. Others have everything happens for a reason. If it's meant to be, it will be. Will it? Who or what is the reason and meaning behind such magic? And why does it bring us such comfort? For me, I think it's because it subsidises the gap between what we see, what we expect, what we'd like, what our reality is, what we're afraid of. It deals with discrepancies. It deals with injustices. Because something, somewhere is sorting all of this out. And it might be. But what if it isn't? What if some of the situations you are in are resting on you? Not on the magic of something outside, but on the magic of what's in you, of your ability to see, fully awake, to understand, fully enlightened, and to decide, fully empowered, to do something or to do nothing with wisdom by the bucketful to know the difference. Because part of the all, the Christ story, not just the Jesus will save me story, it's bigger because it's the all story, Christ in you. And to me, that allows for partnership. Whatever the divine is outside of me, if that's possible because it's all, partners with whatever the divine all is inside of me and we get and both, not either or. When the light shone on my story, it was incredibly disruptive and far from peaceful. And the real God's story of our lives is counter-religion, counter-culture, and it doesn't remove anxiety, it confronts it head on, and it has things to say. Because religion in all forms is going to ask you to discount yourself from the story and expect you to comply in the name of piety and peace. And I am becoming less and less interested in anything of this kind. And I am a great fan of peace and harmony, but it is overrated when it comes at the price it comes at. And sometimes the disruption is the best thing that happens in terms of revealing the truth. We could say so much about that and how the messages come to us in life. Are they diluted? Are they watered down? Who is getting us to believe what? But I have about eight minutes. So I will just do what I've planned to say. But I I mean, yeah, that loads in there. Um, So why do we actually need to deconstruct some of the powerful fixed stories in our lives? It's actually because they're incredibly destructive to us and to others. And even the peaceful ones and often especially the ways that we've found to keep our peace. There is an undercurrent and things going on behind the curtain in that appearance of peace. That is not good and we should tackle. Now in 2007... 
probably when I'm in my 30s by now, this is when my absolute narrative came crashing to the floor. And it had been building up for a few years, to be fair. I was in a terrible situation um, that, again, I would be willing to share, but it's not just my story. So I'm, I'm looking after others in the story as well as myself. But I was in a really, really terrible situation. And it was not getting any better. And I was just hoping, hanging on by a thread. And I was seriously waiting for magic serious serious magic and I was right on the edge of um losing my mind um and also um losing everything I was right on the edge of bankruptcy I'm literally within days and I went to stay with my sister and my brother-in-law at the time called Rob and they saw I was not good um I had a four-year-old with me uh Graham was at home and I was really not good and they asked me some questions some really difficult questions and I um I will never forget this conversation it was a defining moment for me I rolled out my answers my Jesus answers and I was passionate I was sincere I was coming out fighting I was um, genuinely enraged in the most righteous sense of the world that my magic was coming and that I was going to be vindicated because I was doing the right thing. Um, and my sister, she obviously was very upset because she feels me and we're close and Rob was very kind but he um I look back now and he was very wise with me because he sensed that I couldn't budge from where I was very easily at all because I was utterly entrenched and when I look back he asked me questions but he was so gentle and he forced me way beyond my comfort zone but he gave me a very very watered down version of the full force of what he could have said to me because he knew I wouldn't hear it um and I've really been thinking about this a lot this this week um, but the conversation was enough to wake me up to some parts of it added to what other people had been drip feeding to me um, and it ended up being enough and I came home and I started to see the world really differently um, I started to value myself a little differently I started to hear a no and I started to speak a no um, and something rose in me because someone questioned whether I was part of the story or was it only Jesus who could save me did I have no say in what was happening to me um, the final clip from Stranger Things um, shows how some things are so extreme they won't be believed so watering them down can be necessary um, now I have mixed feelings about this because on the one hand I, we are, if, if, if you don't believe some things are being watered down in what you read on a daily basis you, you really should because we are being manipulated a lot, that's how rhetoric works that's how the world works but I just want you to just let me go with my train of thought for now because I'm not saying that this is right because I was originally going to show you this as a we must never water things down but then I remembered this moment in 2007 and I recall many moments where people have not sought to just trash my mind, heart and dogmas because they knew I was holding on to them like a life raft so all they could do was just lovingly give me some questions. They got that I would drown if I let go, but they understood I would also drown if I didn't. And there's such wisdom, and I think if Q's going to be anything, we have to be so wise, because people could drown if they let go, but they will also drown if they don't, and we must remember both. 
And we're not wanting to offer you a life raft at queue or to rip anything out from under you. We're wanting to show you that you're indeed the ocean and therefore it's not a threat. You can be one with it. You can embrace it. But where we have been clinging on so tightly, that's a big move. So I don't want you to invite, I don't want to invite you to ask Jesus into your life. I want to simply say again, which we've heard before, Christ in you. The all in you. That's the story. That's always been the story. And it's all that is in you, all that is you, all that is not you, and both all. So I swapped my Jesus alone will save Jenny's story for a Jenny can save Jenny's story because I'm part of the all, Christ in me. I am the magic touch and so are you when we show up, when we stay awake, when we take the questions, when we get honest, when we breathe it all in and say, okay, what's the next right thing in this moment? That is the most alive, authentic, non-religious, godly move I can make. And it's an effortful life not the someone needs to fix it for me life. Um, I was not lazy. I've never been lazy. If anything, I take too much responsibility and I need to stop. But I did have this sense in which when things got really difficult, I would just hide and hope um, and abdicate that responsibility. Absolutely. So I want to invite you to ask you into your life. But you might think, but I'm the problem. <laughs> No, you are, I am, and you're part of the all. But the reason you don't want that answer is because it means it's on you. That means you've got some decisions to make. That's why we don't like this version of the story because it's one of great empowerment and it will make us far better world changers when the only hope we had was that God, in whatever form, can be persuaded to show up if all of the criteria for him doing so is met. So perhaps the only condition for Christ in us to be met is to say, I'm in, in our own lives. Um, And I just want to end with this thought. I am still living in the daily consequences of the fact that I was not living consciously back then. And I will live in the consequences of that for the rest of my life in practical ways. It's actually the reason I only had one child for example I'm all right with that to be fair one's enough he's perfect but he's not but what this doesn't do is take away any of the consequences we've experienced while we were being unconscious but what the all is enough for is to cover us as we have to then walk out what we did when we didn't know we were doing it and it's big enough for that too so I hope you've heard my heart and I really hope you go away and think about what I've said this morning because I genuinely believe that if you invite you into your life, that is absolutely going to be one of the best things that some of you can do. And let's live like that. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. Now, if you've enjoyed what you've heard today, then we would love to hear from you. Feel free to drop us an email to info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. Don't forget there are blogs and all sorts of media to be enjoyed at qyork.co.uk, which are welcome to browse at your leisure. Until next time, enjoy the quest. <laughs>